following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I don't know about you guys, but when I read the scripture and I read the stories of Jesus, I am mesmerized by his life. Uh, I'm mesmerized that God's son comes to earth, taken on an earth suit, born in a manger, growing in wisdom and knowledge and stature, and, and all of a sudden steps into his public ministry. And, and when you follow the narrative of Jesus, I want to do an overview this morning on the, the, the quick overview of his ministry ending with, with Palm Sunday. But when I look at that ministry, and maybe you see the same, we see Jesus healing the sick. The lamer walking, the blinder seeing. When he encounters powers of hell, he says, you have no place here, be gone. Poof, they have to leave. They can't argue. Every, he's calming the seas. He's doing these amazing things. And what most blows me away about the, the narrative of Jesus when you follow him through scripture is the actual people that encounter him. The people that encounter Jesus are forever changed. The people that actually have an encounter with Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, can never be the same again. I want us to do a quick flyby. We're going to be looking at some scriptures. If you have your Bible, you can move along with me. We're going to start in John chapter um, 1. But there's some really cool things about Jesus running into people, encountering them. And once they have an encounter with Jesus, they simply can't be the same again. They are changed. In fact, they become contagious. They can't live the same. They can't act the same. And uh, I want us to look at that this morning through the eyes of being contagious in your faith because Jesus himself is in fact contagious and the Bible is proof of that because every person he walked up to and touched or looked in the eyes or spoke to had this radical encounter that changed them. And I don't know about you, but my story is the same. I know how I lived for a lot of years until I had an encounter with Jesus. And it doesn't mean that he appeared to me, but you can have an encounter with Jesus through the gospel message, through the word of God, through the spirit of God, God making Jesus so real to you that you simply cannot be the same again. And how many of you guys share that story where at some point Jesus became real to you? Hands in the room? Okay, so the rest of you guys were born, how many guys were born always knowing Jesus? Okay, how many of you guys were at a some point had some kind of encounter with Jesus where Jesus changed you, uh, flipped the switch, made revelation to you, showed you, amen? It's radical, guys. When he does, he's been doing it for 2,000 years. He's doing it to some today, here this morning. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. I want us to look at a couple of snapshots of how Jesus encounters people how he is so contagious that they become contagious and they're never the same again. And before we start, you might want to ask yourself this morning, are you contagious? Is your faith contagious? Will you consider yourself to be a contagious Christ follower? It's a valid question. We see people in scripture, they're very contagious. I think it's Jesus' heart that we are contagious. He says, be contagious. He said, freely you've been given, freely give. (laughs) He's like, hey, you caught it, share it. It's life. It's the cure. Give it away. Jesus was contagious. He wants us to be contagious too. Uh, The dictionary defines contagious like this. It says, likely to spread and affect others 
causing others to feel or act in a similar way, likely to spread and affect others, causing others to feel or act in a similar way. I would suggest to you that when you look at the narrative of Scripture, you find from the very beginning, and we're going to look at some of these stories, where the contagiousness of Jesus touched people around him that encountered him, and in fact, it did spread and affect others, causing them to feel and act in similar ways as Jesus did. Jesus said, as you've seen me do, you do also. Jesus' intention was to be contagious and for us to be contagious. Your faith, it can only be contagious if you spread it. If you hold it, it's not contagious. You gotta spread it to be contagious. But it's hard to be contagious for Jesus if you only know about Jesus. If you you learn about Jesus, it's hard to be contagious. But if you have an encounter with Jesus, you met Jesus, you spend time with Jesus, I would suggest you can't help but being contagious. In fact, in the book of Acts, uh, we see a passage where the Pharisees run into Peter and John and they're like, stop this, sharing the message. Stop spreading it around. They even whipped them. They're like, don't share the message anymore. And you know what they said? (laughs) We're contagious. They said, we can't help but speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. We're forever changed. We had an encounter with Jesus. We can't help it. I don't know where you're at that way. Is your faith contagious? But let's look at this narrative right here. John chapter one, I want us to pick up in verse 35 if we could. And um, we're gonna look at a few sections here and uh, just move along kind of quickly through some of the gospel um, uh, snapshots. And we're gonna see these encounters with Jesus on what they did to people and then what those people in turn did. And I want to suggest on the front end that Jesus was so contagious that these people could not be the same after an encounter with Jesus. That they turned around immediately and they were contagious also. It's radical. I believe that's what God is stirring our heart for this morning. Um, John chapter 1 verse 35 says, talking about John the Baptist, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. You might want to underline that in your Bible. They spent that one day with Jesus. And it was about four in the afternoon. These guys are inquiring, they're inquisitive, they see Jesus, they hear he's the Lamb of God, that's what someone told them, John pointed to Jesus, they didn't personally know him, they just knew, John the Baptist said, that guy right there, (laughs) he's the one, he's the one you've been waiting for, he's got every answer in life, he's the way, the truth, he's the the hope, he's the vine, He's he's your future right there, that's the guy, follow him. These guys follow Jesus, they say, where are you staying, come and I'll show you. And it says that they spent the day with him. Once again, you can't really spend a day with Jesus without being changed. Now, you can learn about Jesus and not be changed, but if you meet with Jesus, you can't help but being changed. These guys spent one day with Jesus, and they will never be the same. Let's see how the passage moves on. 
One of them, their name was Andrew. It says in verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and, and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did, the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And what amazes me about this is he has this one day encounter with Jesus and he's wrecked in a good way. How many of you have ever been wrecked by God in a good way? Not in a bad, in a good way. When God wrecks you in a good way, he breaks down stuff that needs to just go away and he reveals what you really, really need when we've been building on the wrong foundation, when there's anything in our life that's not God-honoring and it's not beneficial, it's permissible but not beneficial. God has a way, if we let him, of wrecking some of those things and building us up with a whole new disposition, a whole new heart condition, a whole new fire, a whole new hope, a whole new vision. Andrew's got vision. Andrew is alive. Andrew spent the day with Jesus. He can't be the same. And it says, after this encounter with Jesus, because Jesus is so contagious, Andrew becomes contagious. And instantaneously, spending one day with Jesus, says the very first thing he does, I gotta go find my brother. I I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go find my brother because I found the answer of life. I I didn't know what love was until I met him. I didn't know what forgiveness was until I met him. I didn't know what my future was until I met him. I didn't know what purpose was until I met him, but I met him and he's contagious. And he tagged me and he says, go, you're it. And and Andrew is so contagious. He's like, the first thing I gotta do, I gotta go find my brother. He runs off, he finds his brother Number one, if you want to be a note taker this morning, you might want to jot these down. These are signs of being a contagious Christian. Starts with an encounter with Jesus. If you don't have a genuine encounter with Jesus, a genuine encounter, you don't become contagious. There's got to be a point of contact. Contact, spiritual contact with Jesus where you connect with him, where you take him at his word, you hear his offer, turn, follow me. And you're like, yes, you are. (laughs) Weigh the truth and the life, here I go. There's got to be a point of contact with Jesus. And when you have that encounter, when you realize who he is, the power of his words, his love, his offer of grace, forgiveness, new beginnings, purpose, when you realize what that is, you have that encounter, you turn to follow him. And here's the evidence of, of being contagious. It says the first thing he did is find my brother. You got to find somebody. Do you want to find somebody? Do you have something contagious to give away? I want to stop right there. Do you have something contagious to give away? I need to ask you that this morning. Because if you don't feel in your heart you have something contagious to give away, I would suggest you go back to step number one, have an encounter with Jesus. Have an encounter with Jesus because you won't have anything to give away if you don't have an encounter with Jesus. How many of you guys know we don't have anything good to give away on our own? There's nothing we have that's going to change anybody's life. There's nothing great that we can give away except for Jesus. If you aren't compelled, if you aren't, uh, have a burden on the inside, if you don't have a passion, if you don't feel that contagiousness of, of, of the living God, the spirit of God stirring you for the love, if you don't sense that in your life, if you don't sense being contagious, I'd encourage you, go back to the first step and have an encounter with Jesus because you know what happens in life? And I hear this all the time. I've seen it in my own life. Maybe you have as well. Where early on, when you have that encounter with Jesus, you get really contagious. 
You're like, this is awesome, God. You changed my life. You turned me, my world upside down. You gave me a spiritual new beginning, God. This is explosive. But over time, over time, if you're not spending time with him, we drift back into a different kind of a mode. Has anybody seen this in their life? Where you drift back into a mode you didn't ask for, but that's where you find yourself. And guess what? You're not very contagious. And there's not a whole lot to give away. And that's okay. First thing, go back to Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Have an encounter with him again. Um, I was at a mayor's prayer breakfast years ago, and um, Martha Williamson was the keynote speaker. Uh, Martha Williamson wrote the TV series, Touched by an Angel. Uh, But before she wrote that, she was writing all kinds of things, absolute uh, failure, no no success with anything, and she had complete frustration with her life. And, um, you know, she ended up going out to a a cabin that her family had. She used to go there as a child. She was raised in a, a home with faith, but she's been a long way from that faith. And she decided just to get out of LA, to get away and go out to this place. And when she was out there, God broke her heart in a good way. God wrecked her in a good way. And she had an encounter once again with Jesus, so to speak, through God's circumstance. I don't have time to explain, but it's her testimony where God woke her up again. And her conclusion was this. If you're in a place where you don't have that passion, you don't have that fire, you don't have that vision, go back to the place where God last touched you. Go back to the place where God last spoke to you and met with you and touched you. Even Abraham did that. After traveling, I'm going back to where I made an altar to God. Do you know Abraham did that? He'd been wandering for a while. He's like, you know, I'm going back to that place where I made an altar to God, where God spoke to me and I spoke to God. I'm going back to that place because it's been too long. I would suggest to you that we have to go back to the place where you spent time with Jesus, where he revealed himself. Maybe it was time in his word and genuine devotion. Maybe it was genuine prayer, seeking God's face. God will meet you. He says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will, I will be found by you. He says, I will be found by you. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. This is an unequivocal promise of God. It's absolute. It's a scriptural, it's a spiritual fact of life. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And sometimes we haven't been drawn near and we wonder why we're not contagious. It begins with an encounter and maybe it's time for an encounter once again, amen? That's what he did right here. First thing, encounter with Jesus First thing, got to go find my brother. You might want to write down in your, if you're taking notes this morning, who comes to mind? Who comes to mind in your life? For Andrew, it's like, wow, this is real. I got to go find my brother. Who is on your heart that you think, man, if there's one person, ladies, who's that sister? I got to go get that, that girlfriend of mine. Man, I got to go after her. Maybe it's your parent or your aunt, uncle, cousin. Maybe it's a neighbor. Who is the burden on your heart where you're like, man, this is real. This is true. God is alive. I got to go after somebody. I'm just telling you, people in the story, they all share this. I want to encourage you to share the contagious faith that these people in Scripture had after a legitimate encounter with Jesus. Have an encounter with them. The first thing, I got to find somebody. Who do you got to find? You might want to write down who is that. Pray about who that is. My prayer is that through this kind of message today, God's going to be waking some folks up. As you pray for them and we're praying for you and you pray for, we're going to pray for each other that the people that are on your heart right now, and don't leave here without somebody on your heart, please. Who is on your heart? 
If you don't have someone on your heart, ask God to put somebody on your heart. Who is on your heart? Because when your faith is real and it's contagious and you have the cure for spiritual cancer, because everyone on the planet's got spiritual cancer and Jesus is the cure and you have it, you're like, I ain't giving it to nobody. I'm just gonna hold it. Or you're gonna go, wait, <laughs> I got what you need. Even if you don't know you need it, I got the cure. And a lot of people, like me for a good part of my life, I didn't think I needed the cure either. Anybody in that boat? You just didn't think you need the cure. You have friends, don't they? They don't think you need the cure either. But the bottom line is, Jesus has answers to questions that they don't even know they have yet. They're coming to terms with things. And I would encourage you, after the encounter, you gotta go out and find somebody. He says, I'm gonna go out and find my brother. By the way, the brother that he found is Peter. The one walking on water, it's Peter. Peter is radical. He's standing up in the early church, major leadership. This guy's a rock. Guy was amazing. He's on the day of Pentecost. The the spirit of God comes down. There's 120 in the upper room. The whole city is gathered around. Peter's like, all right, Lord, I guess this is my turn. Steps out on the balcony. People of Israel, listen up. Bam, God moves in a powerful way and 3,000 people came to faith. Peter, that's the one Andrew went to go get. There is so much power in the person that you go get. Do you realize that? Never dismiss the person that's on your heart. God will do radical things in their life. Andrew's like, I had an encounter. <laughs> I'm contagious. <laughs> I can't keep it in. I got to give it away. First thing, I got to go, go find my brother. I got to go get him right now. And he chases down Peter. Peter, listen up. I got to tell you something. And so it starts with finding somebody, telling them. And it says in the, in the passage, and he brought him to Jesus, you might want to write that down. Have an encounter with him first. Go find somebody. Go tell them. And then bring them to Jesus. Now, let me tell you something about bringing them to Jesus. A lot of us think, well, bringing somebody to Jesus, that's a tall order, all right? I, I, I can't really bring people to Jesus. I've tried. You know, uh, you know I, I don't want to be responsible for that. That's a big thing. Listen, you're not responsible for anything else. You just bring them to Jesus. Jesus is very fine with taking over from there. You just point people in Jesus' direction and let them have their own encounter with Jesus. You don't have to be there and walk them through it. Let them have, and Jesus will handle the rest. He's really good at handling the rest. But in the passage, contagious people, they start with an encounter, a genuine encounter with Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And then, they're so contagious, they got to run out and find somebody. And then they don't just find them, they tell that person. And then they bring that person to Jesus. Let's move on in verse 43, because I'm suggesting to you this is a theme throughout Scripture. And it's a theme in the history of the church. And it's a theme in every revival that we've seen uh, that's been documented in history. This contagious theme lives on. And it's, I believe it's the heart of God. Uh, verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip... He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael. You might want to underline that. Philip found Nathanael. Philip is brand new in the story. He just had a quick encounter with Jesus. He turns around. He found Nathanael and told him. You might want to underline told him. He found and he told We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
Nazareth, can anything good come out of there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip said. So Nathanael is a skeptic, and Jesus still loves him. And you have friends that are skeptics. They are totally skeptical about everything. It's fine. (laughs) Jesus loves your skeptical friends. How many of you guys were skeptical? I was skeptical. Like, what is it? What do you mean this faith? What is, you know, what was surrender? What, what is this thing? I mean, I believe, I believe in God, you know. I didn't understand surrendering my life to the Lordship of Jesus. I was, I was skeptical. What does this thing even mean? Nathaniel was, was skeptical. And Jesus is like, I love him. I love your skeptical friends. <laughs> so after meeting Jesus, Philip becomes contagious. The very first thing he does is go finds a friend. Did you guys read it in the same text here? First thing he did is went to find a friend, Nathaniel. The next thing he did is tell him. I got to tell him. I can't keep it in. I'm, I can't be quiet. I'm too contagious to keep it in. I got I to gotta share it. And then it says, it brought him to Jesus. And he says, hey, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. And you know, that's one of the best things you and I can say. Come and see for yourself. Check it out. Give Jesus your life for 40 days. Pray and seek him. If you don't like, back, like it, he'll give you all your misery back. He'll give you all your stuff back. If you want it back, just... Fine. Take it all back and go home trying to stop. Listen, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And all we can do is bring our friends. So if we care about them, if we love them, we can tell somebody. We can pray for them, tell them, and somehow, some way, bring them to Jesus. I want to encourage you guys, bring someone to the Good Friday service or the Resurrection Sunday service because they're going to hear God's kingdom, God's love, and they're going to have an encounter we trust because Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when the word becomes alive, the spirit starts to stir and shake hearts. That's what the word says. The spirit of God starts to shake people on the inside. And they begin their encounter by the supernatural God beginning to shake them and speak to them in a still small voice. This is how people wake up along the way on the journey. Nathaniel, he says to Nathaniel, come and see for yourself. I love what it says. Psalm uh, 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. <laughs> Come and see. Taste for yourself. I'm not here to prove anything to you. Taste for yourself. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> you know? It doesn't take long being in Egypt for a lot of years that you finally come into God's promises where you're like, I don't want to go back there. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. There is nothing for me back there. How many of you guys would agree there's nothing for you back there? In the old way, taste and see that the Lord is good. And people see that in your life. People see that in your life. What happened to Bill? What happened to Janet? What happened to Roy? What happened to, you know, what happened to the, there's something different. They can see it in your life. There's something, there there must have been an encounter. I don't know what it is. There's something different about you and it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's amazing. Um, If you move on to John chapter four, we're gonna skim the surface on a few of these right here, but this one is amazing. I am mesmerized by this story in scripture because once again, it is an encounter that Jesus has that is, has profound implications, profound implications. And it begins with an, 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 excuse me, it begins with an encounter and it gets really contagious really quick. John chapter four in verse 25. And the setup is this, it's the woman at the well. You guys are familiar with the story. Jesus, instead of going around Samaria, because the Jews don't talk to Samaritans or drink out of their cups or fellowship with them, Jesus is like, that doesn't affect us. We're going straight through. God loves everybody, and we're going right through this town. And at this town, there's a well, and a woman is there filling up her big jar by herself, not with all the other ladies. All the ladies go together, but not this lady. 
This lady's been through some tough stuff in life. I don't know what kind of upbringing she had. I don't know what kind of pain she went through. But she's not like the other ladies. She's, she's from the, the school of hard knocks. She's gone through some stuff. She's not married like the other ladies. She's on her seventh relationship. And this guy that she's with is still not her husband. She's chasing all sorts of stuff in her life. And she's obviously got a deep void in her life like many people, like many people in our city, many people we know. A deep, deep void somewhere, but they haven't put a finger on what the void is. But a deep void, a brokenness from back there somewhere that's causing her to thirst. And her thirst is a profound thirst. She is so thirsty, this woman. And she's trying to pursue things that are going to quench her thirst only to find out it's not doing it. And then to pursue another relationship. It's not doing it. And then another relationship. It's not doing it. It's not doing it. It's not. She's going through life thirsty and doesn't even know the cause of her void in her life. I would suggest to you that's what many people do uh, around us. Many people. It's the nature of humanity to have a deep void on the inside but not identify the source of it And it results in a thirst. It results in a thirst to chase after things, whether it's workaholic or to medicate or to escape or to drink more or to pursue another relationship or an adrenaline rush. Something, something. And pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue, driven by a deep thirst. Jesus meets her in the middle of a desert at a well to address this thirst. I love how Jesus does things. And so Jesus says to her, If you drink from the water that I can give you, ma'am, you're never going to thirst again because you're thirsty, lady. You are thirsty. And she's trying to blow it off at first until Jesus speaks right to her heart and says, ma'am, I know stuff about you. You want me to tell you? Here you go. Boom, 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 boom. And she's, what? Ma'am, you're thirsty. I've got water that if you drink from the living water I can give you, you will never thirst again, ma'am. And Jesus has this encounter with her. And it moves on. It says in verse 25. I want to pick it up from right there. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. That's radical. You might want to underline that. That's the first time Jesus flat out said in John's gospel to anybody, hey, the Jewish Messiah, I'm the guy and I'm telling you straight to your eyes. And he says it to a Samaritan woman on the backside of a desert somewhere who's dying of thirst. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Not up at the temple with all the religious leaders to this lady who's dying of thirst out in the desert, but not from liquid thirst, from an internal spiritual thirst. And he addresses this with her. I, the one you're speaking to, am he. Jesus then, uh, oh, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. No one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, you might want to underline that, she left her water jar. (laughs) She came for water, guys. She came for water. She left her water jar. Uh, The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. So this woman has an encounter with Jesus and she is changed. 
Jesus addressed the deepest things of her soul. And Jesus knows us. He knows us when we were formed in our mother's womb. Jesus knew us, guys. He knows our DNA deeper than we do. He knows the plans, the promises, the future. He's got it all in 3D. He's got it all. And this lady has an encounter with Jesus the Christ and is sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe he knows me like that. He, he looked right through me. He knew everything about me. He addressed my deep issues of my soul regarding thirst. He's the one. <laughs> He's the one. He's the one I follow now. I don't have to deal with those other things. I found the answer to life and it's in God's son, Jesus. And that's what she did. She is changed. And listen, she's not just changed. She's contagious because changed people are contagious. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you get contagious. And again, if you're not contagious, camp out with Jesus a little longer. Sit at his feet a little longer like, like Mary did. Get contagious. Sit at Jesus' feet. Continue, continue your encounter with Jesus. She got contagious. She left her water jug behind. And the very first thing that she did is the same thing we see in all the narratives of Scripture here. The first thing she does is, I got to go back and tell my people. <laughs> I got to tell these people. They're not going to believe it. They're not going to, they know me and they know how messed up I've been in my life. That's why they don't even go to the well with me. The other ladies won't hang out with me. They don't want to be seen with me. I got to roll differently because I'm not like them. I'm kind of reject. I've been through all these relationships. I get water alone in the middle of the day instead of all the ladies towards the end of the day. I go alone. These people know how messed up I, I'm going back to them. And can I tell you, there's power in that testimony when people know where you were and where you're from. There's power in that testimony because they're sitting there, they're baffled. What do you mean? I once was blind, but now I see. That's all I can tell you. I know who I was, and I'm not who I was, and I'm not who I'm going to be, but I'm not who I was anymore. God's still making me into who I'm going to be, but there's a change, and it's noteworthy. And she goes back, contagious to these people, and says, I got to go find my people. So the first thing she does is goes, finds somebody or some people. And the next thing she does is tell them, because she can't be quiet. She's too contagious for that. And it says she brings them to Jesus. This is radical. Move down to verse 39 if you could. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. That's noteworthy to underline that in your Bible. Because of her testimony, people believed. There is power in your testimony, big power in your testimony. And many people believed because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. This woman was contagious. She tells them and she shares testimony and testimony's got power to wake people up. Testimony has power to shake people from their slumber and come to faith in, 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 in Jesus. And this woman is sharing her testimony and they knew who she was and they she, see she's changed and her power of her testimony is waking people up. But it doesn't end there. They said, we're gonna come to Jesus to check this out. And the rest of them have their own encounter with Jesus. I appreciate your testimony with all due respect. I need to check this out for myself. Thank you for your testimony. Let me hear what he's gotta say for me personally. And then Jesus says, I love that. Come, <laughs> come all of you, <laughs> all of you who are weary and have a heavy load and I'll give you rest, all of you. There's a lot of people that are weary and have a heavy burden 
that need rest. There's a lot of people trying to live life in a contrived way without peace. And Jesus is like, I'm the Prince of Peace. A lot of people looking for direction. Jesus is like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I'm the way. Follow me. There's a lot of people walking in the darkness. He's like, I'm the light. I can light up your path for you. There's a lot of people walking with loads. Jesus is like, I'll take that from you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me take yours. Learn from me. It's amazing. This woman does this. She goes back. She brings the entire town. We bring people, and Jesus does the rest. She was contagious. She had to go find somebody. She had to go tell somebody, and she encouraged to bring some way, somehow, to bring people to Jesus. Jesus is like, great, I will do the rest. In this passage, some believed because of her testimony. The rest, they had to hear from themselves. I've got to check out this Jesus of Nazareth for myself. If what you're saying is true, if he's the Christ, the Son of God, if he's, if he's the Prince of Peace, if he's the, the one who gives new beginnings, if he's the one who gives fresh starts, if he's the one who takes away our sin and throws them as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more, if he's the one who sends his spirit to live inside of us, if this is true, if he's the one who writes our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, if all that stuff you're saying is true, then I gotta check it out for myself. And these people are like, thank you for your testimony, I gotta hear this for myself. And they're like, this is legit, it's real. I had an encounter with Jesus too. And all these people, they come to faith. What's radical about this? Do you see what's happening here? It's not one contagious person. It becomes two contagious people. It becomes four contagious people. Then there's a whole group of disciples and then Jesus is sending out 70 people, all contagious for Jesus. And the story doesn't end there. The story continues on this theme of people getting contagious because of an encounter with Jesus. Uh, Luke 19, if you could turn there. This is gonna be our last passage. And this is gonna land us through the week where we are right now, Passion Week. This is Passion Week, and historically, this is the week we celebrate where Jesus had the Last Supper. Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday. We'll be celebrating that. That on the third day, not on the same day Friday, not on the next day Saturday, but on the third day, Resurrection Sunday, he rose from the grave, and he showed himself to over 500 people at the same time. And people who saw with their own eyes were told, stop sharing this message. And they said, we can't help but share what we've seen and what we've heard. We can't stop. But I want you to see the contagious part and how it grows and it grows and it grows like a spiritual groundswell, a revival bubbling up inside of God's people. Um, Luke 19, verse 35. Jesus is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem because he's the Messiah. He's the King of Israel and he's coming in. But he's not coming in on a horse, which is an animal of war. He's coming in on a, on a, on a coal, uh, colt, which is a, a, a sign of humility and a sign of peace. And he comes in as Israel's king, and it says this in verse 35. I want you to note the reaction of the people and see what kind of people they are, these people who have had encounters with Jesus. Verse 35, they brought it to Jesus, the colt, and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put, it, put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully pray, to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, 
If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is radical, guys. You've you got to really digest this passage. It's huge. huge. It's, a, it's an amazing scene right here. Israel's king coming down, but it says that now there is a whole crowd of disciples. There's a whole crowd of the other gospel accounts. If you put it together, they're all shouting Hosanna. They're waving palm branches to Jesus. And it's a pretty massive crowd. These are all disciples. The Bible identifies them as disciples. These are people who have heard Jesus and that at some point are following Jesus. And they're shouting praises. They're waving palm branches. And that tells me one thing. In fact, if you read the passage before this, Jesus just rose Lazarus from the dead and all those people over there were blown away. And that's how they had their encounter with Jesus because Jesus did a miracle. But there's other people along the story that had different encounters. Jesus came from Jericho and healed a blind person. Jesus dealt with broken hearts. Jesus did all sorts of things. And all these people in the three years of Jesus' ministry had an encounter, had an encounter with Jesus. These are the people in the crowd. You gotta see that. This big crowd of disciples on Palm Sunday, every one of these people has a story. Every one of these people has had an encounter with Jesus of some kind. They're in one place at one time and they're all shouting praises and they're all waving palm branches and the entire crowd is contagious. I love that. We have a contagious crowd now. Not just an individual getting somebody, not an individual going back to tell their town. We have a massive crowd of contagious people right here. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees, who are clearly going against the Spirit of God in Scripture right here, they want to do one thing. They want to contain it. Contagious? Oh, no. Contain it. Quarantine. Quarantine the faith. Shut it down. Don't let it spread. Don't let it grow. These people are getting contagious for Jesus. Stop it. That isn't for Christ. That is anti-Christ. Amen? It's not for the message of Jesus in his people. It is anti, it is against Jesus and his message and his people. They try to contain it and they tell Jesus, tell these people to be quiet. Tell them to stop saying this stuff. And the devil would like to tell us the same thing, to be honest with you. I want to address your contagious part of your Christianity. The devil would tell you, contain it. Just contain it. Quarantine that. Keep it down. What are they going to think of you? It's not necessary. Pipe down. Just I would suggest to you, that's the voice of the devil, not the spirit of God. The spirit of God stirs us to the point of contagiousness. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. The spirit of God wants to fan us into flame for these good works and proclamation and these things of praise, Hosanna. That's the spirit of God welling up inside us to do these things. It is the devil who would like you to calm down. Don't be contagious, quarantine that, be quiet. That's the voice here. And he wants to do the same in our lives. And Jesus said, listen, if they be quiet, the stones will cry out. And I, I love this passage because when you, when you look at it, stones were made to be quiet, but people were not. Stones were not made to shout out, but we were made to shout out. We were made to be shouting praise. And, and, and when you think of our nature as people, Think of what we shout about. Um, quick analogy, football game. Gentlemen, you into sports? How many of you guys are into sports, right? Okay, anybody, right? All right, your team scores. Think of the Super Bowl, right? 
all these plays, shouting out, yeah, touchdown, oh, he was, he was out of bounds, no, he wasn't, we're getting rallied up, we're getting fired up, like, wait a second, you know, touchdown, whatever the thing is, most people don't even know the teams that were in the Super Bowl, let alone the score, and the whole nation shut down to have this big celebration day, and people were shouting everywhere, half the country was shouting for this team, half the country, a lot of people don't even remember the teams, and if they do, they won't remember them for long, and they don't even remember the score, And none of those plays mattered. And yet we shout. We shout for these things. Jesus is worth shouting for. Jesus is the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He is Elohim. He is is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is, he is, He is the way, the truth, the light. He's the one with the living water when we got so many thirsty friends that are pursuing all the wrong things, trying to fill a deep void. Jesus is like, I got, a, I got the app for that one. It's right here. It's living water. That's who Jesus is. He's worth shouting about. The devil would like you to be silenced, but you can't be silenced. They were contagious. And listen, this ended up affecting the whole city. This crowd turned around and affected the whole rest of Jerusalem. It says in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, it says the whole city was stirred as a result of this. The whole city now is lit up. Because of that core of disciples, because they were contagious, it said the whole city was stirred and said, who is this? It said, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Now everyone's ears are up. What? Jesus? I don't know about you, but my biggest prayer is that this whole city's ears would pop up and say, who is he? Who is he? (laughs) It's Jesus of Nazareth. That's who it is. Who's the one healing people? Who's the one waking people up? Who's the one giving new beginnings? (laughs) It's Jesus of Nazareth. I want nothing more than this city to wake up to hear the reality of God's love through Jesus Christ. Um, Do you guys want that? Well, then would you be contagious with me? Can we get contagious together? You know, when I was praying about this, and this would be a good time for the worship team to come up. For some of you, the enemy has tried to contain you because you're potentially very contagious. And he knows it. And so what he has done, he's tried to contain you, tried to quarantine you. And for some of you, it's worked for a while. It's worked for a while. As I was praying over this message and saying, God, what is your, what is your heart for your people today? What is the word for? I see the, the passage and the narrative. We see the, the story. We see how the, this goes. We see how you want to work in people's life, what you've done and what you want to do. What is your word for your church today, God? And I clearly sense the Lord say, your season of silence is over. Your, your season of silence is over. Because the only one who wants you to believe that you're in a season of silence and is the devil who wants to continue to quarantine you. But we can't be quarantined. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's no quarantining for the people of God. There is no quarantining people, not contagious believers, but some of you may have believed it for a while and you've been shut down a little bit and you haven't been contagious out of a fear, out of a doubt or out of some other thing and I just want you to know it's not the spirit of God behind it, it's the enemy behind it. I really believe that's God's heart. God wants to start waking up people in this city all over the place, people you know, people you love, people you care about. I don't know who he put on your heart but your season of silence is over. And I would like us to proclaim that together. If you believe that, 
uh, and you believe that's from the Lord, can we say together, my season of silence is over? Ready? My season of silence is over. Now let's stand up and say it loud because this is a day of proclamation. Ready? One, two, three. My season of silence is over. Now, can we shout it like they did on the day of Pentecost, uh, the day of uh, uh, Palm Sunday? They come in, they're shouting. They weren't like, my season of uh, <clears throat> silence is over. They were like, yes, Lord. Can we do that right now? On the count of three, let's shout it out. One, two, three. My season of silence is over. And let's give the Lord a hand clap on that one. Amen. Amen. So... Mighty God, mighty God, we thank you, Lord God. You want that season to be over. It's not from you. I just pray, uh, Lord God, you would begin to stir our contagiousness, Lord. If we need to sit at your feet for longer and have an encounter with you for longer to get filled up to the place of being contagious, then God, let that be our priority today, God. And Lord, if it's time, Lord, to, 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 to just start stepping out of our comfort zones, I pray we would be people who do that, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, pour out your spirit on your people that we'd have a spirit of boldness and power and love people enough to tell them the truth and encourage them and appoint them to you and you will do the rest. We believe that, God, and we thank you for it and we ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.